0: Now, if you would open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, I'll remind you that seven Sabbaths and one day after Passover, the Jews would commemorate that God gave the law to Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, for almost 2,000 years, the Church has been commemorating the fact that on the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, meaning 50, 50 days after the Passover. God gave his Holy Spirit to the church and things have been radically different ever since. And the whole transition is just that. There are so many markers that we can look back on in history to see how that first Pentecost changed things. We know that prior to that, the people were given a law to seek to obey in their own strength. And then when Pentecost came, the people were given the power to live and serve God for his glory and the Pentecost Sunday and all that happened and it represents reminds us of the power of the Holy Spirit and work exclusively in and through the church. We also need to note that Pentecost was the last of the four spring feasts of Israel. And then there was a break in time. And then there were the three fall feasts. And that tells us that Pentecost introduced the church age. And then someday the other three feasts, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the... Uh, Uh, um, yom kippur and the feast of tabernacles is going to be fulfilled all concerning jesus but right now we are in the midst of the church age a time where there is a specific group of people filled with specific power of the holy spirit for such a time as this and i have to say time is running out jesus is coming soon now what we are commemorating today was promised by jesus himself at the last supper He said to the disciples in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Paracletus, or the Holy Spirit, he says, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Now then we see the fulfillment, which is a common text on today, and rightfully so. In Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4, we're told when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one accord in one place aren't you glad to be doing just that this morning we're in one place in one accord and suddenly there we should have had some sound effects ready for this part suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting lord fill this house with your spirit then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled, say all filled, all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Upon the arrival of the Holy Spirit some 2,000 years ago, everything changed for the disciples, everything changed for the newborn church. Paul would later record in 2 Corinthians 3.17 why that is so important, because he said and wrote, now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Liberty. Liberty means freedom. And because we are filled with the Spirit, we have freedom from the past. Because we are filled from the Spirit, we can enjoy the freedom of God's forgiveness. Because we are free, are filled with the Spirit, we are free from the Mosaic law. We now have the freedom to be used by God mightily, not by our own might not in our own power, but by his Spirit, says the Lord of Hosts. Now, the Bible tells us that after Pentecost, Peter stopped denying and started preaching. Thomas stopped doubting and started believing. We also know that the disciples quit arguing and started serving. And then the church was persecuted and the gospel started spreading. And all of this was preceded by the giving of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus and fulfilled on that first Pentecost Sunday as it pertains to the church age. Listen, after the Holy Spirit came, Christians weren't looking for signs. They were doing them. They had the signs of the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested in their own lives. It first happened amongst the 12 and those gathered with them in the upper room. It happened later with others and still even later, the apostle Paul and people... Continued to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit having been born again. Now, I don't want to look at our usual text for a Pentecost Sunday morning, as most of us are familiar with the story we read earlier and the accusations that came afterwards when the people were speaking in languages learned through supernatural means. They were speaking known dialects and they were speaking things that other people who were visiting Jerusalem during the feast day could understand, And some were saying, what's the matter with these people? They're drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is nothing less than the power of the Holy Spirit of God moving upon his people as written by the prophet Joel. Now, the reason I don't want to look at the usual text for this morning is because I think there's an object lesson for you and I as we now are some uh, 1800 or uh, 1987 years from the first Pentecost. We're going to look at it through the lens of Romans as we move a bit further downstream in church history, noting that Paul wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth in the fall of 54 AD or 57 AD. Now, this is some 24 years after Pentecost and the initial fulfillment of that feast day. Now, we also need to remember, Paul wasn't in the upper room on that day. He was still a Pharisee. He was yet to consent to the death of Stephen. He was still initiating the arrest, imprisonment, and persecutions of Christians until he had an encounter with Jesus Christ the Lord on the road to Damascus to continue his tyranny against the church. And three days after Paul saw the light, said to the one who spoke to him, Who are you, Lord? And he said, What would you have me to do? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Three days later, he was prayed for by a man named Ananias. Something like scales caused by the bright light fell off his eyes. He ate and spent a few days with the disciples. And this food and fellowship strengthened him. And then we're told in Acts 9:20, immediately, say immediately. Immediately, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Now, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you're born again. But when you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, immediately things begin to change. And Paul went from chasing and persecuting the church to preaching Christ and him crucified and declaring in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And the reason I wanted to move out in time away from the day of Pentecost was to make the point that what happened on that day, as far as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is, is still happening today. It's happening to every born again believer. And later, Stephen was filled with the Spirit. Later, Paul was filled with the Spirit. And today, as born-again believers, we are filled with the Spirit. And therefore, as those filled with the Spirit, we need to practice. And here's our title this morning. Are you ready? Our title this morning is Power Walking. Power Walking. Now, we could have titled our time Walking in the Spirit. But that seems to insinuate, at least in our thinking today, kind of a casual stroll where when you talk about power walking, you're talking about purpose. You're talking about destination. You're talking about fortitude. You're talking about commitment. You're talking about walking in the power of the spirit. And listen, we need to be walking in the power of the spirit now more than ever. Satan has been trying to shut the church down during this pandemic. He's been trying to stop us from meeting. He's been trying to silence the church And I think we all recognize that many of these social media platforms are now basically eliminating anything that's related to conservatism and also they're censoring anything related to what the church believes today in many cases. I've had things shut down that I was doing on social media. I had something that I was doing on social media talking about the gospel of Christ and the power of God and the wonderful things that we're seeing as they relate to prophetic fulfillment shut down right in the middle of it. And told that my broadcast was interrupted and then i couldn't log back onto social media if you don't think that there's somebody out there who is on the other team then all you need to do is for the moment try and oppose the devil for a while and you'll see that he's real and you'll see that he has minions in this world who are working against the church however here's the important thing even though the devil is trying to shut the church down during this this pandemic What happened in the first century is still happening today. And that is the gospel is spreading and people are getting saved. People have been hearing the gospel who'd never heard it before. People have been hearing the gospel again who have yet to respond to it. And they're committing their lives to Jesus Christ. And God has been doing during the shutdown what he's been doing since the church was first born. And that is... uh, told to us in acts 2 46 to 47 and continuing day continuing daily with i better slow down i'm just so excited to be here this morning (laughs) continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house how many feel like i've had enough of that breaking bread house to house thing they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to the church how often daily those who were were what Being being saved listen we've been breaking bread from house to house during this time and the lord has been adding to his church all over the world so now that things are starting to loosen up we need to be walking in the power of the spirit like never before why do i say that well the washington post reported just this past week a third of americans one third of americans now show signs of clinical anxiety or depression, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Looting, fires, violence are happening all around our country in response to the outrageous murder of an unarmed man. I don't think the governor is done trying to shut the church down either. And the truth is the world has changed and much of the world views the church as non-essential. Well, the fact is the church is the only messenger that God has employed to get the gospel out in times such as these. So it's time for some power walking. Saints, you ready? Let's learn how to do it. Would you stand and read with me, please? In Romans chapter 15, verses 13 through 21, we'll find our text and reminders this morning. So Romans 15, let's pick it up in 13 and read down to 21. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, because of the grace of God, grace given me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. And Lord, we thank you that we indeed are living in such a time as this, as perilous as it is, As confusing as it may be, as many of mixed messages that we hear, we thank you that there is clarity in the Word of God and understanding through the Spirit of God. So speak to us this morning as we examine your matchless Word. We ask it in the matchless name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. You may be seated. Now the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to comes from our opening two verses where Paul in verse 13 first speaks of blessing over the people and then in verse 14 he gives them an exhortation and an admonition. Now the first thing for us to notice is the relationship between the power of the Holy Spirit and hope. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have, but there's not a lot of hope around today. There's a lot of hopelessness around us today. And yet, if you ask anyone in the church, any born-again believer who is filled with the Spirit, you're going to find people abounding in hope, though they're surrounded by difficulty. In the church, you're going to find people abounding in hope, though they're facing temporal uncertainties. And why is there such a heavy concentration of hope-filled people within the church? And that is because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in things getting back to normal. Our hope is not someone coming to save the day. Our hope is in someone who already came to save our souls. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. And Paul reminds us through Titus in two eleven to 14, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The present age would include 2020. I thought that was interesting how that rippled through the room. Yes, 2020, amen? Amen. Looking for, here's how you do it. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for what good works. works. Now we keep hearing about a new normal. We're being told by others that things are never going to be like they used to be. Some are saying the economy is never going to recover. There's a county in Northern California. That was one of the first to reopen that is now shut down again because the virus has begun to spread in their community. But all of us need to remember this world is not our home nothing is going with us to heaven except for other people and the most important thing we have can never be lost and that's our salvation brought to us through jesus christ and the reason we can live with such hope is because what began on pentecost is continuing today people are still being filled with the spirit After being saved through the gospel of Christ, their lives are changing and people are power walking even through this pandemic and the shutdown. And that should be true of you and of me. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, Paul said in Ephesians 1 to uh, 13 to 14, reminding us, in him, Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were what? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now what all that means is if you have the Holy Spirit in you, someday the Lord is going to give you a glorified state and body when he's going to redeem you as the possession that he purchased with his own blood and it will be for his own glory that he does so. And there's one exclusive generation that is going to be supernaturally translated in a moment and twinkling of an eye and put on a mortal incorruptibility and forever be with the Lord. I believe we are that generation. I believe Jesus could come for us today. Now, I have uh, plans later on today, as I'm sure most of you do. I'm glad some of our restaurants are opening up again. And, you know, I've got on my radar Mexican food this afternoon. But if the Lord will come get us instead, I'll gladly skip that and go into his presence. Amen. There's nothing more important than Christ and his relationship with the church. And this is why Paul could say to the saints at Rome that you're full of goodness and filled with all knowledge, as Jesus said, that He'll teach you all things, the Holy Spirit, that is. And they were also able to admonish one another. And the word admonish means to remind. And sometimes we need a reminder to keep looking up. Sometimes we need a reminder to lift our heads above the circumstances and place our minds and hearts on what awaits us in eternity. And by the way, remember, eternity is a pain. Problem and pandemic free eternal existence. And it's what you and I have in front of us. And therefore, what we need to remember, and our first reminder through our opening two verses this Pentecost Sunday is this listen this morning. It's basically a paraphrase of verse 13, but our point is this the Spirit empowers us to face every circumstance with hope, joy, and peace. The Spirit empowers us to face every circumstance with hope, joy, and peace. Now, during this shutdown period, Terry and I have been doing a lot of walking during this time. She's always walked. We've got a machine at home she walks on every day. But we've had the chance to get out since we're together and, and walk together. And I have to say, she's in much better shape than I am. Now, some of the ladies here have gone for a walk with Terry. And it's more appropriately... Uh, would be deemed a chase, because she can walk fast, and she does walk fast, and I can't keep up with her, to be honest, and the fact is, when we go for a walk, I'll walk four plus miles, she'll walk five plus miles, but she does so by getting way out in front of me, and then coming back to meet me, and she gets a lot more steps in than I do. Now, recently, we were on a walk that took us down a two-mile descent into a canyon. And, you know, she took off like she always does and walked at her pace and I at mine. But this time she would turn around to come back to meet me and I was right there. That happened a couple of times and then she laughed and I said, what are you laughing at? She said, well, you're keeping up with me. You're right there. We were walking downhill. (laughs) And then we got to the bottom and we had to walk uphill and things returned to the status quo. She was just a little blip on the radar out there and I could barely see her, and then she would turn around and come back, and she was out there doing what she always does, and here I am, chugging along, trying to get up the hill, trying to build up my endurance, trying to gain strength, and breathe too. (laughs) And I share this for a reason. She is far more used to physically power walking than I am, just as there are those who are far more used to spiritually power walking than others are. Now, you may have been sailing along fine through the shutdown or before the shutdown, but then when the shutdown came and you're trying to climb out of it, you started chugging a bit. Well, let me admonish you. Keep chugging. Keep walking forward. Keep making progress with the Lord. Keep taking steps. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this, even if it's the Lord coming to rescue us and snatch us off of this giant dirt clod so we can forever be with him. You can do it because the Holy Spirit has given you the power to face any circumstance with your hope, joy, and peace fully intact. You don't have to surrender it to the pandemic. You don't have to surrender it to circumstances. And the fact is the Lord has empowered us for all of these things. And Paul would later write in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've what? Learned. How do you learn these things? By going through these things. He said, I've gone through being abased and I've gone through times of abundance and everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Now, Do you have a preference of those two things? Would you rather be full or would you rather be hungry? Well, you'd rather be full, right? And therefore have all the things that are necessary to be full, so to speak, both to abound and suffer need. And then he says this, I can do abundance and I can do abasement. I can do full and I can do hungry. I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. Listen, Paul learned how to do things, all things, and we can too. We can even do the shutdown thing Through the strength of Jesus Christ within us. And let me remind you. Paul didn't have anything that you or I don't have. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Dwelt in him. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Lives in you and lives in me. And therefore he learned to do all things through Christ. By power walking through them. When they came his way. So let's keep power walking. Even if your power walking is like mine. Chugging along uphill. Trying to keep up with somebody else. Who happens to be in the front row? <laughs> Verses 15, fifteen and sixteen. Then Paul would switch gears a bit and say, "Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you, because of the grace of uh, grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by who? The Holy Spirit. Paul has very." priestly language that he is employing here speaking of the sanctification of the gentiles through the same sacrifice that would save jew and gentile alike and that being the blood of jesus christ and he mentions that he had written more boldly on certain points to the church at rome pointing back to earlier chapters and specifically one area of focus that he was driving home we find it introduced in romans 3 9 to 12 Where he says this, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged, here's the we and they, both Jews and Greeks, and they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, say it, there is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God, they have all turned aside, they have together become unprofitable, there is none who does good, no, not one. Paul had been reminding the church at Rome that Jew and Gentile are equal in Christ and that neither group is saved because of their ethnicity. All are sinners and there is none good among either group. And tensions between the two groups is implied simply because Paul spent much of the middle chapters of Romans dealing with that subject and his exhortation in the midst of all that he was saying to them was in Romans 12, 9 to 13, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to what? hospitality. Paul says we are to give preference to one another. The Greek word translated as preference means to go before and show the way. Be the pioneer, so to speak. No matter your ethnic, cultural or financial background, don't let your love become hypocritical. We might even say selective or ethnically specific that you are willing to accept certain groups of people over others. Now, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that social media is a very loving place. (laughs) And people are always kind and never say things to tear other people down. I experience this every day uh, on social media. And people tell me how much they love me and wish I was dead. (laughs) That's the way it is, right? I mean, people just say horrible things to one another on social media. And, you know, sadly, a lot of that has been taking place in the church because some say the church needs to open up. Others say the church shouldn't open up. And there's all this fighting going on online in front of the world by the church, the people that are supposed to display love to one another as proof that they are the Lord's disciples. As Paul would say, these things ought not to be so. We can't have a hypocritical love. We can't have a love that is based upon one's opinion on this pandemic. We can't look at another person who's wearing a mask or wear a mask and look at a person who is not And say, what's the matter with you? Hey, they're wearing a mask loving Jesus. Somebody's not wearing a mask loving Jesus. Does wearing a mask or not wearing a mask make you love Jesus more than somebody else? Why is it so quiet in here? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? All of this we're going through has brought so many things to the surface. And so many expressions of hypocritical love going on in our world today. And listen, uh, somehow in this recent period of time I think especially the last few months we've forgotten how to disagree agreeably and even to continue to share a love that proves we are the disciples of Christ has fallen by the wayside listen Paul says don't have a hypocritical love but rather show the way for each other give preference to one another He offers some clarity on what non-hypocritical love looks like. He first implies that such hypocritical love is is evil and good must be clung to instead. And then he mentions that showing brotherly love and leading the way in this requires being consistent at it, fervent about it, while serving the Lord, while rejoicing in hope, while persevering in tribulation through constant prayer and caring for and welcoming one another. Now, remember what hospitality means. It means to show a love for strangers. There's some strange stuff going on these days, isn't there? There's some really bizarre things happening in our world and person-to-person relationships and you know, people mad-dogging others and giving them the stink eye and everything else because they're not doing things the way they think they ought to do it. Churches are being um, criticized. Christians are being blamed. There was a pastor uh, up in Washington State who put out a call for prayer this Friday because pastors in Washington State... We're being threatened with arrest if they open their churches on May 31st, like uh, thousands of other churches are doing, like we have permission to do today and uh, are doing so within the guidelines of the state. And listen, we are to assemble together. It's a mandate of God. Hebrews 10.25 says not to forsake it. And yes, we had a, a substitutionary time period where we were meeting online, but we weren't meeting together. To assemble in one place is something that God wants us doing. And as I pointed out at the beginning, God was telling the people, God was telling Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they could collectively worship me. And listen, I I have to say, I've mentioned this a couple times during the shutdown or when people weren't allowed to be in the room. Our band is awesome. (laughs) And you know what? Our band is just as anointed as when there are no people in the room, but it's way better when there's people in the room. I didn't realize it. But I realized at first service, I miss your faces. I miss your voices. But I didn't know I missed your clapping. (laughs) Because we were in agreement with the greatness of the songs that were being sung and how God was being exalted. And we ought to offer the fruit of our lips, a sacrifice of praise. And we're being told, okay, okay. A hundred of you can meet in any size room at any given time, but don't sing. And no loud talking. That's what Newsom said, no loud talking. Well, if there's no loud talking, you're going to have to get another pastor because that's all I ever do. And no singing. So in essence, what the mandate is, is you can meet together, but don't praise God. Through song, that is. You can meet together, but there better not be any preaching. Only soft talking. And listen, we are in a crazy time, but we can't let these things stop the love we have for one another. And even the love we have for strangers. You know, there are there are people that are angry that the church is open today. So what do we do? We give them a holy punch in the throat. No, we... you guys can edit that out of the sermon we love them we have a love for strangers that's what this time is all about and Paul's reminder was that the Gentile was made acceptable to God as the same through the same manner as as the Jew they're sanctified by the Holy Spirit and having been born again is implied through the mention of the preaching of the gospel and remember sanctified means to be made holy Now, he's already established the fact that there are none good. No, not one. We've all gone our own way. We've all decided to be the captains of our own ship, the masters of our own destiny. There's none that seeks after God. was God's conclusion after examining the whole of mankind who would and ever will live. There are none good. So, In order to be holy, something has to be done for us and to us. And that's why Peter would say in 1 Peter 2 9 to 12, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, for this reason, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people of God, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak evil, speak against you as evildoers, when they say the church ought not to be meeting, they may by your good works which they what? Observe. Observe. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, Gentiles in this context means non-believers. In the Old Testament, a Gentile was a non-Jew. In the New Testament, a Gentile is a non-Christian. And Paul, a former Pharisee, highly educated or educated, I should say, under the respected Gamaliel, is sent to the religiously uneducated Gentiles as a minister of the gospel of Christ. And then the Lord sent Peter, who was in the Pauline sense, uneducated religiously uh, to the the uh, jews who were highly educated religiously now in my mind i would think that the gentiles would more readily identify with a fisherman than a pharisee but god knows what he's doing but god knows what he's doing and even when it's illogical even when it's something that our finite minds can't wrap ourselves around God is still and the Holy Spirit is still the great equalizer. He makes us all one in Christ and he distributes his gifts individually as he wills. Now, in the midst of all this and all that we're experiencing and going through right now, let me remind you of our second truth that we need to embrace and keep in our minds constantly, especially as we struggle and chug our way through this season of reopening. Listen, as Christians... We already have what we need the most. As Christians, we already have what we need the most. Now, there are things we need to get by in life, right? There are things that we need that the Father knows we have need of. And many are struggling right now in that area. I was talking to a couple who were both uh, fitness trainers at the end of second service. They both lost their jobs. But, you know, the crazy thing was, to make our first point, they both had these huge smiles on their faces, and they were saying how good God is. That's something is, is exclusive to us. And listen, I'm not trying to diminish the real needs and struggles that people are having today, but I think we all need to remember at all times or at any time is that more than anything in this life, what we need is to be reconciled to God because we've been separated by our sin. And therefore, Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for who? That was all of us. That's the no, not one part. For scarcely uh, for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God, meaning he is different from all humankind, demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? The reconciliation. What we needed more than anything else in this life was to be reconciled to God. Now, I'm sure some of you have had the experience that I and my family have had in time past. Maybe some of you have felt like I'm not under Moses' law, but I must be under Murphy's. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Everything just seems to be a bizarre mess. I've had times where I didn't understand what God was doing and how he was operating and how things were going to work out. I've had times where I couldn't see what was coming. I've had times where it's like, you know what? Everything's a mess in every direction company I was working for shut down I don't know how we're going to make the next house payment but God has always gotten us through he has always been faithful but I can say that now looking back but looking forward I had a different thought there are times when I've gone through in my life things being such a mess in every direction or maybe dealing with some of my past and some of the hellacious things that I did that I'll be forever ashamed of until the Lord wipes that memory out of my mind there were times where outside of the one thing I could be thankful for of my wife and family I had to remind myself things may not look too good right now and I'm not sure how I'm going to get out of this and I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this but what I do know for sure is at least I'm not going to hell and you know sometimes life feels like that and that's all I got well that's a pretty important thing Maybe some need to say today, I don't know what's going to happen, but at least I'm not going to hell. Maybe some need to say today, I feel like life is hell right now, but at least I'm not going there after I die. And I have to say, I have wondered throughout all this, if the Lord hasn't allowed this shutdown and all that's associated with it to get the church back on track and our eyes back on him and our efforts back on reaching the lost. Because people are getting saved all over the world through social media and other means, Facebook Live and other ways of broadcast. You know, maybe the Lord has been saying, I don't want the church worried about how famous the pastor is. I don't want the church worried about how big the attendance is. What I want the church worried about is how many people are dying and go to hell without Jesus. And people are getting saved right now. And the situation is bizarre and it's created all types of situations for people within and outside of the body of Christ. Temporal struggles, things that we all worry about, even though the Lord said, I've got them under my own control in Matthew. But Romans reminds us in eight twenty-eight to thirty, And we know that some things work together for good. How's that? All. All things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he predestined these he also called and we called he justified and we justified he also glorified now the term predestination has been misappropriated and misunderstood and taken out of context by many but the point that Paul says here is that someday those who have answered the call have a predestined end that they are going to experience those who have out of their own free will accepted to accept the blood of Christ as the offering for their own sin are predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ that's where we're headed after we die or when the Lord takes us all home now I'm sorry no I'm not but I'll just say it the Mormons are wrong on a lot of things but they're wrong in the sense that when we die we're going to be gods we're not going to be gods we're not going to have our own planet and you're not going to be an Elohim or God over your own planet but we are going to have glorified bodies and as a matter of fact Philippians three twenty to 21 says our citizenship is in Orange County From where is it? it's in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our what? Our lowly body, that it might be, here's what the predestination destination is, conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able, even to subdue all things to himself. John the Beloved would add this in 1 John 32 3 Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know, that when he is revealed, fully unveiled, apocalypsis is a Greek word, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone, say everyone, everyone who has this open him purifies himself just as he is pure. Listen, the devil knows he has but a short time. So his efforts right now are to shift our focus from the eternal to the temporal. He wants us more focused on this and that and the other things going on, around us because when you shift your attention from the eternal to the temporal you've shifted your attention to a place where there's no hope. There is no hope in this world. Our hope is in Christ and in him alone. Now I have felt in the past that God has allowed more than I'm comfortable with. (laughs) Haven't you? I felt like you know I'm really not into this in the pain and problem category but at least I'm not going to hell. And that's true every single day, and it's true for all who believe. Amen. Amen. Now, verses 17 to 21, Paul says, Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Then Paul says this, interestingly. And so I made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Now, Paul, in essence, is saying, I'm not going to take credit for anything that was done, done through me. I didn't do any of it. All I did was go. All I did was answer the call according to the purpose God has for me. He's the one that did the work. It's his power that accomplished all things. The signs and mighty wonders and other things are directly associated with the Holy Spirit. And he mentions three things. He said, since my encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, Gentiles have come to faith in Christ. Signs and miracles accompanied my ministry. And I was privileged to preach for 1,400 miles from Jerusalem to Eastern Europe. Now, He adds, I didn't go where someone else had already been preaching. He went where no one was preaching. And then he cites the reason for doing so in a quote from Isaiah, which in our Bibles is uh, quoted from uh, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. But ours in the New King James would read this in Isaiah 52, 15, a quote from verse 21. So he shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. And listen, the threat of sickness and death in recent months and the way our world has changed so quickly has caused many who had not seen fit to examine the content of the word of God to do so in these last days. Should we not be thankful for that? Anybody else want to get in on that before we move on? Should we not be thankful for that? And listen, Paul saw being in a place where no one else had preached as an opportunity, not a trial. And listen, the church today is in a place it's never been. The church today is in uncharted waters in a very real sense. Now, the church has always been persecuted. As a matter of fact, that's what spread the gospel and got it outside of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and out into the uttermost parts of the earth. The church was on the run. And as it was on the run, it was preaching along the way. And as they were preaching along the way, people were getting saved. And as people were getting saved, they were being empowered. And the Holy Spirit began to spread all around the world. And the vehicle through which the spread of the church uh, was uh, increased was persecution. But the fact is, we are in an era that is unlike any before us. One, because our proximity to the rapture of the church is closer than any other generation of church history. Jesus is coming for his church soon. The signs and evidence are all around us. But we also need to recognize our world is collapsing into the final push for the global empire of the Antichrist at exponential speeds. And Luke 21 to 25 to 28 says there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth the stress of nations with perplexity the sea and waves roaring men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heavens, of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Now, this is going to be fulfilled ultimately during the tribulation period. But like with the other signs that are going to be fulfilled during the tribulation, we are seeing the precursors to them now. As I told you, suicide is rampant in our world today and anxiety and depression is at unprecedented levels in our world today. One third of Americans are fighting anxiety and depression today. Men's hearts are failing them from fear because of the things that are coming on the earth. Now this is going to go next level so to speak during the tribulation to be sure but we are seeing things moving in that direction like never before in church history fear is rampant anxiety is rampant hopelessness is rampant despair is rampant suicides just since the lockdown are at record levels we add to that that there's talk about digital currencies forced vaccinations with some type of implant within them to hold your medical record and details for a virus that has a 99.5 percent recovery rate governments now are telling people who can go where and when And how many people can attend church or sit in a restaurant? Now, if you don't think the devil's in the midst of all this and exploiting it, may I remind you that the pot dispensaries and the liquor stores have been open throughout this whole thing. Marijuana is a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. So what Satan wants a depressed society to do is to get further depressed through self-medicating Even to the degree that many are killing themselves. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's using this to bring about the world that he desires. The world where his guy, so to speak, is worshipped in the form of the Antichrist. He's pulling out all the stops. The church is in uncharted waters. And that means we have an unprecedented opportunity to preach Christ and him crucified Under circumstances that he's never been preached in. Now here's what that means to all the power walkers out there. And it's a familiar phrase. And I've coupled it with what happened on Pentecost Sunday. And here's what we need to remember. The power to be witnesses is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. If Malachi says the Lord doesn't change and Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Holy Spirit, the third member of the triune Godhead is like them, then he doesn't change either. And therefore, if he gave power to be witnesses on Pentecost, then he's still giving the power to be witnesses today. And the promise that Jesus made in Acts 1.8 is, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are 1,987 Pentecost Sundays away from the first one. And the power to be witnesses is just as prevalent today, as just as powerful today as it was the day the Spirit first fell on the church. Listen, I say that for this reason. We're not waiting for anything. We're not waiting for things to open up circumstances don't have to change nothing needs to happen we already have what we need and god has already commissioned us to go and therefore we need to preach christ to the whole world that some might be saved for they can't call on whom they have not heard and they can't hear without a preacher and the preachers can't preach unless they're sent and we've all been sent to the world to preach the gospel so in that sense we are all proclaimers Or heralds of truth. Now. I thought I'd be tired at third service. But I'm just gaining momentum. This is awesome. Having people here. Here's the last thing I want you to remember. We need to realize. How powerful. And appealing. Hope. Joy and peace are to people who don't have them. And we are the ones who have been given the exclusive of them. Because we've been born again. We're a chosen generation as a whole. The church, right? But we are a chosen generation. Chosen to be alive at such a time as this. For the exclusive purpose. Of going to the world and preaching the gospel. At a time where hope was at a famine level in the world. People need Jesus. And there's no hope of heaven without him. And without the hope of heaven, there is no hope at all. And what a privilege to live in a time that no other age of the church has experienced. This was true at the beginning of the church age. And now it's true again at the end. So let's take advantage of the opportunity we have because I believe we're running out of time. Jesus is coming soon. Listen, in a closing exhortation, and it just might be the closing. If you told someone about Jesus a hundred times, make it one oh one. If you told them a thousand times, make it a thousand and one. Because the fact is, what awaits those who have rejected Christ and died in their sin is something more horrific than we would wish on even our worst enemy. The truth is it's impossible to get to heaven apart from Jesus. You must be born again. So people need to hear that message, right? So, hey, we have opportunity. Use social media for something positive. In between the pictures of your food. (laughs) Use social media for something positive. Tell somebody about Jesus out there. You know, through your mask, speak to somebody about Jesus. If you don't have a mask, speak to somebody about Jesus. Just tell people about Jesus. Because we've had a bit of a shift in our thinking of late. And I think the Lord has us focused, refocused back on what's truly important to him. And that is without Christ, hell is the future of those who've rejected him. Tell people about Jesus. Did I say tell people about Jesus? Tell people about Jesus. Will you do that? Get out there and power walk today because that's what he has called us to do. So, Father, we are grateful for your matchless word. Lord, I thank you for those here, those online. It's so great to see faces once again, and uh, Lord, we're so blessed to be back in the same room under the same roof, hearing from the same God who is the same yesterday, today and forever, the truths of your word. So Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity this morning and for the reminders, Lord, that we're not the first generation to go through struggles, but we are going through some things that are exclusive to this generation. We're in a place, as Paul said, where no one's preached before. He was talking about geography and Lord we're talking more about the spiritual climate and what Amos prophesied a season of the famine of hearing the word of God So, Lord help us to be confident in the message we have help us not to craft it so it would tickle the ears or become more palatable to the recipients but help us Lord to just speak the truth and do it in love that others might receive the implanted word which is able to save their souls we're thankful for our time together. We thank you for this blessed opportunity to share in fellowship after 10 weeks of being apart. We're grateful for the unity we have in you. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask these things. And all God's people agree by saying, Amen. Amen.